All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, come back into the room. We just thank you, God, for your word. Uh, Father, we just thank you as we turn our attention to your word that you help me to convey this in simplicity and truth. I thank you for the grace and your anointing that makes the difference. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you do what only you can do, which is to change us. And so we turn our hearts and our minds to your word now. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that Pastor touched on at the end of his message last week was that marriage is a covenant. You guys remember that? And so he talked about how when uh, two people come together, especially two virgins, when two virgins come together, that there is a shedding of blood that happens. I won't go into all the details. But the reason why that God created us that way is because it creates a covenant, a blood covenant that is designed for marriage. And so Pastor touched on that. And so today, I want to uh, kind of go along those same lines and continue to talk about how marriage is a covenant and that it's a covenant relationship. So we're going to talk about sticky relationships. We're talking about sticky relationships today. So we've compared relationships to peanut butter and jelly, right? You're the peanut butter to my jelly. You know, I can't live without you. And so when we have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and those bread comes together with the peanut butter and jelly, when you tear that apart, it is impossible to separate the peanut butter and jelly again, right? There are pieces that stick from one to the other. And that's how it is with relationships that we all have sticky relationships. You know the phrase, well, that's just a really sticky situation. <laughs> I don't really want to go into it because it's a sticky situation. Um, and so I want to talk about sticky relationships today because after you make like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, if you're like getting a little messy with it, you get some jelly on your hands and you wipe your hands. You still have residue, right? You're stuck with this jelly on your fingers. And if you don't wash it off, then you're stuck with this residue from the jelly, right? It's sticky. It begins to stick to you. So we're going to talk about this. Genesis 2, we're going to go back to the very beginning because it's important that we recognize how God created marriage relationships. And so Genesis 2, 21 through 25 says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. So here we see that God created marriage. He created a man. He created a woman. And he brought them together. And he said that it was good. And it says that they felt no shame. This is the design that God has created for relationships. But what happens is if we do it outside of the way that God created it, then it becomes sticky relationships. Then it becomes complicated, and it actually can begin to destroy us rather than complete us. And so we need to be aware of these things. And so God actually designed marriage, and we're going to say it today, sex. Everybody say it. Come on, say it together. Sex. 
Well, I, I couldn't hear you. Say it again. Oh, that was a little bit better. Can you say it a little bit more confidently? Hey, that's a lot better. Chris, calm down. Okay. So God designed sex to actually happen within a marriage covenant relationship. God created sex. Right? He is a good, good father. I'll tell you that. He created sex for us to be enjoyed within the marriage relationship. And what actually happens when we come together physically, it, it actually creates a soul tie. And a soul tie is a link between the souls of those people. And so within the confines of marriage, it creates something beautiful. It creates a covenant that is spirit, soul, and body between you and your spouse. It is created and designed by God to link your souls together and create a tie that's a permanent thing. It creates something beautiful. The problem is, is that when we do it outside of marriage, that it becomes a conflict. So um, there's this article that I read by uh, Chris Ballatin, and um, he quoted another book. And so I'm going to read you guys a little snippet of it, okay? So he says, sex is a tri-dimensional experience, spirit, soul, and body. Tri means three, right? Anytime you're with a person sexually, you bond with them. Dr. Daniel Amen writes in his book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. So this is this guy's book. He writes this, whenever a person is sexually involved with another person, neuro neurochemical changes occur in both their brains that encourage limbic emotional bonding. Limbic bonding is the reason casual sex doesn't really work for most people on a whole mind and body level. Two people may decide to have sex just for the fun of it. We're just going to hook up. Yet something is occurring on another level that they might not have decided on at all. Sex is enhancing an emotional bond between them whether they want it or not. One person, often the woman, is bound to form an attachment and will be hurt when a casual affair ends. One reason it is usually the woman who is hurt most is that the female limbic system is larger than the male's. And so he's telling us that something actually happens when we're with somebody physically that on an emotional level, that it actually creates something in your brain. There's a chemical that is released, and on the emotional level, there is a bonding that begins to happen, whether you want it to happen or not. It is a response that your body does when this happens. And so you can imagine that it's like peanut butter and jelly. You put it together, you pull it apart. You put it together, you pull it apart. You're leaving pieces of you with the other person, and the other person is actually leaving pieces on you. So I have these name tags up here. And name tags, as you know, you do what? You write your name on it, right? And it identifies who you are. And so I want you to picture this like it's relationships. Imagine this has your partner's name on it. It sticks to you. And these begin to stick and we go from relationship to relationship, and they just begin to stick, whether we want them to stick or not. And so things in your life will get stuck to you as you go throughout your life. So 
well, that relationship didn't work out. Maybe it wasn't your choice. It just ended. And so you move on and you think, I'm just going to find somebody else. And maybe they'll complete me. Maybe they'll make me happy. Maybe I'll be able to find my lifelong partner with that person. And so we move in with them. And we begin to just go from relationship to relationship to relationship. Not realizing that we're taking a piece of them every single time. Whether it's a casual hookup or a committed relationship. This piece is now sticking to us. And so we think everything is good. Well, I got over them. I feel like, you know, I'm able to move on and kind of go on to the next relationship, not realizing that you got a piece of them stuck to you. And now you're carrying them through life. This is called a soul tie. And this soul tie is created anytime that we are involved with someone sexually. It can also be created in friendships. It can be a healthy thing. You can have a good tie with somebody. But when it comes to sexual soul tie, that's a much stronger and much deeper one. And so I wanted to really bring this to our attention today because I feel like that, first of all, it's not something we talk about in church a lot, but we need to. And I also feel like that whether you are young or old, we need to know God's design. If you have something in your house that, um, like I have, <laughs> I have, uh, most women probably have this in your kitchen, in your drawers. You have one of those drawers that just kind of holds all the little stuff, like all the little utensils, all the little plastic things. So I have this thing in there that I have no idea what it does. It's this little orange tubey thing. I once, I tried to put it like into an orange because I thought maybe it like will create juice. Like, I don't know what this thing is for. And so if you have something like that, you need to find out what it's designed for, right? And what is the best way to find out? You go to an instruction manual. So if this thing had come with an instruction manual, I would be able to open it up. It would give me the instructions on what to do with that object. God gave us an instruction manual. It's right here in the word of God. And so he's given us these things in life, but if we don't know what it's designed for, then we're going to mess it all up. We're not going to use it properly. And so God has created the marriage covenant. And when it's done properly, it is something beautiful and something that is long life lasting, right? And so Matthew 19, they asked Jesus a question about marriage and divorce. And so he gave them this response in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. He says, and he answered and said to, said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Now, sometimes we say uh, we'll use this in marriage ceremonies and we'll speak to the witnesses and we say, it says, let nobody separate this union. But he says here, let no man separate, no person separate, including the two that have joined into it. Why? Why did God design it this way? 
It wasn't because he wants to keep something from us. It wasn't because he wants to make your life miserable. I want to see if they can stay pure until they're married. So I'm just going to make it this way and just challenge them. That's not why. He did it to protect us. He did it this way so that it would be beautiful and we could be whole. Because whenever we create an unhealthy soul tie with somebody else, we leave a piece of ourselves with them and they leave a piece with us. And now what we started out with as a whole heart is now being torn every time that we come together and then separate. So you're no longer whole. God designed it for our protection. So even if you were in, I'm sticking to each other now. Even if you're in a committed relationship and you think, I'm going to marry this person. We're engaged. But you ain't married yet. I've seen engagements end. And so we think, oh, it's okay because we're going to get married. But you're not married yet. Now, again, God didn't design it this way to hold something from you. He designed it this way to make it the best for you so that you can experience God's best, his absolute best. And so we want to make sure that we're not creating soul ties that take pieces of us, that we're leaving pieces of ourselves, that we're taking pieces of another person with us. So another scripture, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 16 through 20, and I'm going to read it in the message translation because it's really, really plain. So you guys ready for some plainness? Okay, so it's very straight. It is 1 Corinthians, again, 6, verses 16 through 20. It says there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. (laughs) He's like, I'm just going to shoot straight. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. I bet you guys didn't even know that it was in the Bible that much, did you? As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, Jesus, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. So you're like, sin is sin. Yes, sin is sin, but he's saying, actually, this kind of sin is different. It says, in sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Keep it plain. Keep it plain. So Paul is saying in this scripture here that you are accountable not just for your spirit and your soul, but for your body. Your body is the temple of God. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Everywhere you go, he goes. I want you to think about that. 
because no one else might be around. Nobody else who knows you. It's okay. Nobody else was there. Holy Spirit was there. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, every other sin is outside of the body, but this kind of sin, you're dealing with an internal sin. It's creating a soul tie. So I want to give you four signs that you have made an unhealthy soul tie, okay? Four signs. Are you ready? One, you are in a physical, emotionally, or spiritually abusive relationship, but you feel so attached to them that you refuse to cut off the connection and set boundaries with them. It's an unhealthy soul tie if you cannot leave somebody who is abusing you. Maybe you've had somebody in your life and you think, gosh, that person just treats them terrible. Why don't they just leave? They can't because they've created a soul tie with this person. And so they refuse to go because now they are attached to them and it's unhealthy. Second one. If you've left a relationship, maybe a long time ago, you were with somebody a long time ago, and you've left that relationship, but you think about the other person obsessively. You can't seem to get them out of your mind. You, it's like you have to know what they're doing, so you're stalking them on social media. You want to know who they're with. Is she prettier than me? Is she skinnier than me? I don't want them anymore, but I don't want them to be with anybody else. And so you're obsessed with this person. You cannot seem to stop thinking about them. You cannot seem to, uh, this, this thing that inside of you that says, I, I want them to hurt like I'm hurting. I want them to feel what I'm feeling. There's an uh, unhealthy attachment there, even if it was years ago. And you're stalking them, trying to keep tabs on them. That's not healthy. That's an unhealthy soul tie. The third one is, you can recognize that you have an unhealthy soul tie is if you are now married and you're having intercourse with your spouse and you think of the other person. Mm. Pastor Jen, just keep it plain. Sorry. I'm sorry if you weren't ready for today. I really am. I just really felt like this week the Holy Spirit wanted to talk about these things because we need to be aware of them. We need to understand them. We need to recognize them in our life and make sure that we're dealing with what Holy Spirit wants to talk to us about, okay? And so I'm just, I'm just going to keep keeping it plain, all right? So that's an unhealthy soul tie. You recognize it. Wait a second. I just, man, this person just pops in my head. I have a fantasy that just pops in my head. I can't get it out of my head. It's an unhealthy soul tie. Number four, how to recognize it. You defend your right to stay in a relationship with a person that your soul is tied to, even though it is negatively affecting or even destroying the important relationships in your life, such as your husband, your wife, your kids. Oh, they're just my friend. I can still stay friends with them, but it's negatively affecting the most important relationships in your life. That's an unhealthy soul tie. And so maybe today you're here today and you didn't even know about this. And you're like, this is the first I've ever heard of this in my life. And we've gone through life and we've just done whatever we wanted to do. And, and we pick up pieces of this other person and we just take them with us. And it just keeps sticking to us. I want to tell you today that there is hope. That there is something that you can do about it. 
All right? This is not in any way a condemning message. This is a message that will set you free. This is a message that if young people will get a hold of it, that you can go through your life staying whole and not giving pieces of yourself to anybody else until it is your spouse. And then, man, you don't have all that baggage. You don't have all of this. Because what happens is now, oh, I've met the one. This is the one that I, I'm going to marry. I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life. And now i got to tell him my story. So this one was, uh, oh, I remember that one. This one over here, this was, oh, gosh, I really liked that guy, but it just didn't work. This one, this one was just a hookup. I just was lonely. So I texted somebody late at night. Someday you're going to have to tell your story. Right? And so we want it to be a good story. Don't want to stand in front of the one that you want to be with for the rest of your life and have everybody else with you. So maybe you're married now, but you still feel some pain and some attachment to past relationships. Maybe there's a hindrance there that you, you can't quite seem to figure out. Why can't I give myself completely to my husband or my wife? Why do I feel like there's a piece of me that I'm holding back? It's because that piece of you is missing. And only God can make you whole. One of the songs we sing on Sunday mornings is you, you pick up all my pieces, right? And you put me back together. That's only what God can do. God can take all of these pieces that we have left with other people and begin to put us back together again, to begin to remove those things in our life. I can't even find them. Uh, to begin to remove them from us. And how does he do that? It is through Jesus Christ. And what he did on the cross. That God then begins to heal us and make us whole. Maybe it wasn't your choice. Maybe you didn't want the divorce. Maybe it wasn't what you wanted in your life. And now you're stuck picking up the pieces. I want to tell you that it's not too late that God can redeem anything. God can change anything. God can make you whole again so that you can have the best life. So I want to ask you a question. And I hope I get 100% participation in here. And some of you just got really nervous as to what I was going to ask you. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a question. Everybody looking at me. How many of you are alive in here today? I still do not have 100% participation. We need to call an ambulance because some people are dead. Seriously, are you alive? I want you to lift your hand if you're alive. All right, everybody is alive. We have 100% participation. So I want to tell you that if you are alive and you're not dead yet, God is not done yet. God is not done with you. God is not done with your story. He can redeem anything in your life. You see, in, in the Hebrew language, there actually is not a word for tragedy. In the original Hebrew language, there was no word for tragedy. And the reason why is because they believed that 
what I just said to you, that if you're not done, dead yet, God is not done yet. And so they believed that God could redeem anything. And so if he could redeem anything, then that meant that no matter what happened to you, it couldn't be a tragedy because God could still redeem it. God could still make it great. God can still change it. God can still change you. If you're not dead yet, God's not done yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you alive? Tell him God's not done yet. I hope they answered yes. Isaiah 61. This passage of scripture in Isaiah 61 is the passage of scripture that Jesus, on the very first day of his ministry, stood up and read this scripture so that we would know why Jesus came. And this is what he said. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's why Jesus came, so that then he could begin to heal our broken hearts, to put all the pieces back together again, and to make us whole again. See, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter the choices that you've made, or the things that have been done to you that you didn't choose, God can heal your broken heart. And then he goes on and he says to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Sometimes we get bound by these soul ties in our life. We get bound and connected to somebody else. And now we carry them through our life. Jesus can heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free. And the very last thing he says in Isaiah 61, 7. He says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. And everlasting joy shall be theirs. How many of you want everlasting joy in your life? God says, instead of shame, you'll have double honor. See, too many of us. We carry these with so much shame. But God says he sent Jesus and Jesus died so that we could have joy and our hearts could be healed and made whole. So maybe you're thinking, okay, Pastor Jen, so how do I break a soul tie? Is it just something that is just stuck with me now? And I want to tell you this, if you're married, don't try to break that soul tie. <laughs> That's the one you don't want to break. But you can break a soul tie through the power of Jesus. So a couple of things really quick as we get ready to close on how to break a soul tie. you got to ask God to forgive you. If you know that you've made mistakes and you know you've entered into relationships that you shouldn't have, simply ask him, God, please forgive me. The second thing is then you repent yourself of any vows or commitments that you made to that person that you should not have. I'll never love anybody. You remember when you were a teenager? I'll never love anybody like I love you. That's a vow. 
got to repent of those and renounce them in the name of Jesus. The song we sang today, it's the name of Jesus. His name is higher than any other thing. And everything that is named has to bow to the name of Jesus. And then you've got to forgive that person if you have anything against them. Forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. You release them and you let them go and you renounce the soul tie. You renounce the hold that that person has on your life. And the power of Jesus will break it. And you'll be able to move on and be truly free to love and be loved. To be whole and give yourself wholly to somebody else. Let's stand today. I just want to pray for you. Maybe as I was talking today, you know and you recognized in one of those four signs, or maybe all four of them, you recognize that you have some unhealthy soul ties in your life. I want to encourage you to take action and allow God to begin to heal you. I want to encourage you to take what we've talked about today and not just forget about it, but to actually begin to dwell on it. Let it begin to get into your heart so that God can heal you. Listen, there are sometimes we can feel stuck in our life, right? Sometimes it's like we get a certain place in our walk with God or in our relationship with our spouse, and then it feels like we just go backwards. We get to that certain place, and it's like, I just can't seem to get beyond this. I just get stuck here. It's an indication that your heart needs some healing so that you're no longer stuck in those situations and you can be whole. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for every person in this room, God, that maybe recognizes in their life the patterns that they've built in their life through unhealthy soul ties and relationships. God, I pray for your freedom. God, I pray for your love to wash over them. God, that there would be no condemnation. That God, instead of shame, that they would have double honor. I thank you, God, that as we surrender our life to you, that you make us brand new and you make us whole again. And so God, I thank you that you begin to move in our hearts and you set the captive free. That God, as we surrender these things to you, that you heal us and make us whole. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.